Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, I guess, should we start with the piece of tape that you sent me the other day, Tiffany? All right, if you want to. All right. This is Tiffany Parks, my co-host in Rome, live on the scene. Well, I'm standing outside the school. It's the last day of kindergarten, last day of this school for Aurelio. He's gone here for three years. I'm waiting for him to come out so I can gather up all his stuff. I cried this morning. Um, Not crying right now yet, but I can't help but thinking about when we first came, when we saw the school for the first time, the little library, the little dress-up area, the little kitchen area, all the little stuff that kindergartners have, and how delighted I was by the school. And it's been good. It's been a good experience. Um, but I'm sad that it's over. And I mean, a big part of that is, of course, just being sad that I really was getting big. But, you know, a lot of it is just the this n- n- nostalgia that I get for... I mean, no, almost no reason. I mean, it's just a school. <laughs> he doesn't seem nostalgic at all. Um, why I have been having such a hard time, I'm not sure. But, you know, I'm not the only one. I did see another mom crying just a minute ago when she was picking up her son. So I'm not the only one. Okay, here we got to go. Got to go in. Well, you know, Katie, this is a text message, a voice text message that I sent you, as you could tell from the tape, when I was picking Aurelio up. But when I dropped him off about six hours before that, I sent a text message to my sister's group chat. And they are all moms, and they their kids are all older than mine. Some of them ha- have grandchildren. And... On that tape, I was not so put together, and I actually started crying. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you going to share that tape with me somehow? I mean, I could forward it to you. Okay, forward it to me, and then we'll insert it right here. Because, because let me just say why. For those of you keeping a tally of how many times I've cried on the show versus <laughs> Tiffany, I'm so far and away ahead, I feel like we have to put one on your side of the ledger. Does it count, though? Like, I'm not actually taping an episode yes it counts i'm gonna put it in and count i'm gonna count okay all right fair enough (laughs) all right so let's listen to that hey ladies i'm having fun following your conversations sorry i haven't been um participating more i've had a crazy few weeks but i'm just texting voice texting you to say that i just dropped off aurelio for his last day of kindergarten And I am like seriously on the verge of tears. (laughs) Is this normal? (laughs) I'm like trying to laugh at myself here, but I don't know what's wrong with me. Is it normal? (laughs) Maybe it's because I only have one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think this is normal to, especially when you, you know, I think when you have only one kid, it's normal to to have a hard time with these milestones that are an ending and a beginning. Mm-hmm. I've just been having so such a hard time with this transition 
from what we call in Italian scuola materna, which is sort of like, if you could imagine preschool and kindergarten being a separate school. Mm -hmm. One of my sisters said, oh, for me, it was the end of preschool that was so hard. And I think that that's because in many American schools, the kindergartners are at the same campus as the first, second, third graders. So it's more of a big uh, shift between preschool and kindergarten. Whereas we have three, four, and five-year-olds at a school called Scuola Materna, which is very much about play. They do very little in the form of academics at Scuola Materna. Uh, They don't really teach the kids to read here until first grade. They don't really teach math or anything like that. It's more about, you know, exploration and play and just being kids, being little kids. And so I think part of it is that I'm very much like, Oh, next year he he has no idea what is you know what is waiting for him. I think that I think that American kindergarten is actually kind of great in that respect because I think it it gives a nice bridge to the kids between preschool and first grade. Whereas mm-hmm. whereas here it's like a shock to the system. Like suddenly they're like going from playing you know being outside half the day, being on the floor practically the other half of the day, playing with toys most of the time, or doing activities, creating, drawing stuff like that to, you know, being at a desk and, you know, having homework. It's a really strong shift here. And I have a lot of mom friends who have been like, oh my gosh, the first month of elementary school was torturous. And, you know, he didn't want to go and he cried every day. And I'm like, oh God, like, so part of it is that I will admit. And then part of it, of course, is just not wanting to see my baby grow up. And, you know, you know that, I mean, you don't have to have gone through it to know that, elementary school, they change so drastically from little tiny six-year-olds in first grade to 11-year-olds in or 12-year-olds in sixth grade. It's like a totally different person inside and out. And so it's like a slide. It's like as soon as you're sitting at the top of that slide, it's pretty much over. (laughs) The climb to the top of the slide is nice and slow and you take it easy and then you're you're going. Yeah. So part of it is that, but part of it is just, Katie, to be honest, and this is why I, I had the idea to do this episode, because it's not just about children. It's about life in general. It's about endings. And uh, when things end, why is that so hard for some people and other people, either they just don't even dwell on it or they embrace it. Uh, and other people like myself, <laughs> like I just... I just, I get so nostalgic about the end of almost anything. Oh my gosh, giant dead dying mosquito on my computer. Fun. <laughs> Welcome to Rome. Really? Yeah, <laughs> that's the, that's the uh, unromantic part of Rome is how many mosquitoes are there. Yes. <laughs> um, and the very romantic part about Seattle, if you ever get to come visit, is uh, very, very few mosquitoes. In fact, it's kind of an oddity when you see one go by. That's so nice. Yes, I hear you on the endings uh, for sure. And I, we've even touched on sometimes it's even a bad end. Like it's the end of something you hated. Yeah, what is that about? Honestly, I don't... I mean... I don't understand it. See, and then, of course, there's the bigger question of where does it come from? Because both of you and I are are like that. Mm -hmm. This nostalgic for things coming to an end. Like, the most recent example for me was... I think I even mentioned it on the Alaska boat trip show, was that, you know, by the time the boat adventure was over, I was already feeling like, oh what an epic thing and now it's coming to a close I'm gonna have to go home and go back to normal and I asked Derek well, what do you think are you sad it's coming to an end and he said oh I'm ready to get back to work 
You're like, what? <laughs> you ready to get back to work? That's so like, typical. What are you talking about? <laughs> that was such an amazing adventure. <laughs> oh, that's so like him. I mean, I remember when you guys were getting ready to finish your time in Rome and you were going through this existential crisis. Like you just, <laughs> you didn't want to leave. And I was really surprised, you know, because I knew you came sort of out of happenstance. Mm-hmm. And I knew you loved it here, but I didn't realize how much you had come to be attached to Rome mm-hmm. and how hard it was for you to leave. And he was like, no problem. And I mean, Claudia is the same way. Like I, he has not shown any nostalgia, any sadness over Aurelio finishing Scuola Materna at all. Like it's, it's no big deal to him. And I'm like crying as I take him to school. And I'm like, I'm never going to walk through these doors again. I'm never going to change his shoes here again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there was this, there's this one teacher at the school who, there's basically three main teachers for each class of kids. They do it differently here, at least at his school. Instead of having like all the three-year-olds together, all the four-year-olds together, all the five-year-olds together, they're all mixed up in three different sections, but they're, you know, so his class has all three, four and five-year-olds and they've had the same three teachers all three years. One of the teachers who's the oldest, who's been there, you know, since the beginning, she's a little bit older and she's not my favorite, to be honest. She, you know, I always kind of found her to be a little bit, a little tiny bit belligerent. (laughs) I had one run in with her once where we actually got into a little bit of a tiff. Over what? Well, first year when he was three, they were doing field trips Mm. and they don't invite any parents along, you know, obviously not, you can't invite all the parents, but usually like from where I'm coming from, like you've got a couple of parent chaperones, like volunteers, you know, Yes, of course. zero parents were allowed to go. And I just, you know, and they had to take a bus and it was all the way on the other side of Rome and the traffic in Rome is horrible. And you know, the drivers are nuts. And I just didn't feel comfortable letting him go off on this trip with just the teachers to chaperone. I was just like, he's too little. Maybe next year, but, you know. So I didn't send him on any of the the, the field trips. And there were maybe like four during the year. And the last, she was like, Senora, you are depriving your child of these experiences. I'm like, I take my child to museums and shows all the time he's fine he's not deprived and she's like but it's not the same he's anyways she just went off on me and I was like listen this is none of your business and she went nuts on me so anyways the point is I didn't really like her very much I really used to say occasionally that she kind of screamed at the kids and I mean she also seemed really sweet in her way but a little bit Mm old-fashioned And I found out through the mom's group that she's retiring this year. Oh. This is her last year. And they're like, let's get her a pre- little present for a goodbye, you know, and let's meet her at the last day. And I started to get all like sentimental. And I was like, it's her last day. She's gonna never going to be back there again. And I'm like, <laughs> Tiffany, why do you care? <laughs> and I don't know why I get so sentimental this wasn't even me this was her this was her life and I'm getting sentimental like on her behalf Uh it's dumb I just don't what's my problem (laughs) well would you say that any of the teachers maybe not her because she is leaving so she could be feeling kind of sentimental but 
What about the other ones as far as saying goodbye to Aurelio and the other kids? Are, are they just like, okay, great to know you. See you later. No, I, I, you know, it's hard to say, but, but one of them, she left like a day or two early before the year actually ended because her contract was up. And she, you know, made a point of coming and saying goodbye to Aurelio when he left that day. And she actually doesn't teach his section, but she did last year and she got moved over. And he really loved her. And, you know, she came over and, and he didn't get it. You know, like, I'm like, Aurelio, you're never going to see her again, you know. And he just doesn't, he's just not old enough to really understand that concept. Or he gets it, but it doesn't, he doesn't, it doesn't like go very deep, which I guess is good, yeah, you know. I, yeah, I mean, you're as excited for summer vacation you're as excited for whatever comes next I think as a kid you know? yeah yeah and at the end of the day after I picked him up that day and all of us you know moms sort of you know gave us present to this teacher which is after the tape that I sent you you know I said say goodbye to your friends you know you're not going to see them again maybe you will like you might but you're never going to all be together again mm-hmm. and he's like oh okay right bye bye <laughs> he's just too little and of course I don't remember that age in that way. But I definitely remember at the end of high school and that feeling. I mean, I was so glad to be done with high school on one hand. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I did feel this sense of loss, of loss of place. Like, am I ever going to come back here? I'm never going to walk through these doors. You know, I'm never going to open my locker. I'm never going to have this class with these students again. I'm never going to sit in class with this teacher again. And I mean, those are the specifics, but also just the general thing. Like, uh, the same way Aurelio, you know, is never going to have full day of play during <laughs> during school. When you leave high school and you go to college, yes, wonderful things are waiting for you, hopefully, in college. But it's never going to be like that again. It's never going to be the the high school atmosphere. Mm-hmm. That sort of sense of, you know, college is just a totally different atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also that and you may never live with your parents again. You may oh, never. Oh, right. Most of the time, I guess, in college, if you're not going as far away as you did, that you would. or And you did come back. You come home for summer. So you have this four years of squishy in between. And of course, for those of you who all moved home during the pandemic, you have that. But it's never the same. It is different. Yeah. Well, I remember when Monique, my older sister, left for college and it was sort of... I don't know if it was the last few days before at the end of high school or if it was the last few days before she left. I'm not sure. So she was a senior. I was a freshman in high school. And I remember like sort of getting ready in the morning and, you know, brushing her teeth and thinking it's not going to be the same now that she's gone. And we were not very close growing up. Yeah, We kind of we were kind of always at each other's throats. We did not have that like close, close sister relationship like a lot of sisters do. And so you might think I would have been like, good riddance, you know, finally I get a you know, house to myself. <laughs> it was the same sort of thing. It wasn't the sense of, oh, I'm going to miss her so much. It was the sense of the way things have been is ending and it's going to be different now. So maybe it's a fear of change. Yeah. Or at least a, a marking of change. It's like a reverence for what has happened prior. Yeah. And I, sometimes I feel like I, I have to mark it because if I don't mark it, I'm going to look back on it and I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I totally missed that. Like I didn't pay attention to how I was feeling and I, and I want to remember and I want to, I want to be able to look back and say, I was aware that that was ending and I, and I took a moment and I looked around so that I could remember how things are. 
A quick aside to help you shop for summer clothes of the best quality, you must check out Fairty. They're a family-run clothing company that prioritizes sustainable fibers and non-toxic dyes, and they even ship their clothes in an environmentally friendly way. I own three of their shirts, and I absolutely love them. In fact, Tiffany, I'm wearing one right now. They are so soft and comfortable, and they are the perfect blend of casual and classic. You know when you're searching for that ideal summer outfit, that shirt, that dress that feels like you've had them for years, maybe a gorgeous print that fits so perfectly and feels almost too good to be vintage, but still looks like it might be? Well, that's Fairty. And they're so confident in the quality of their stuff, they have a lifetime guarantee of quality. They'll replace or fix your clothes forever, no matter what. And to top it all off, Fairty is giving Bittersweet Life listeners 20% off. 20%. So shop now for new summer clothes. Head to fairdbrand.com and enter the promo code bittersweet at checkout for 20% off your order. Now, back to the show. I don't know. I've often wondered, and it's probably not true, but I've often wondered if the fact that both you and I were in theater created the emphasis of these moments of change because being in in a play and in some cases like I was in high school being in four plays a year give you like these mini experiences that you have to both embrace and say goodbye to within a three to four month period of time that's relatively intense and there's really nothing like going through the final performance of a show because the whole time you, I mean, maybe it's also because you've trained so long to put this show on. The whole time you do that last show, you're thinking, this is the last time I do this action with Tiffany on the stage. This is the last time I pick her up and swing her around. This is the last time I sing this song. You know, this is the last Absolutely. final lighting cue, whatever it is. You know, you have all of these countdown moments to the curtain call. And then at the curtain call, people like applaud and you give each other hugs and you do, uh, you know, and afterwards you have a little bit of a party in the theater. You get this real send off. You get to like mark all the moments that are dwindling. Then you have a party to celebrate it. And then you shatter apart like glass and go out <laughs> into the world. Right. And in life, that doesn't ever happen. You know, it's not <laughs> like everybody's with you counting down these moments. That's very true. I remember we did a play together and I can't remember which play it was, but I do remember on the last night, you know, sort of standing all around the entire cast, like huddled around the piano, if I want to say, with the director saying, this is the last, I don't think it was even the director, it was probably the stage manager, saying, this is the last time we're all going to be together. This exact group of people will probably never all be together again at the same time. And even if you like hate a third of the people in the cast, it makes you sad. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it's a thing that has been with me though for, for pretty much ever, because just when you were talking a moment ago about, you know, the last cue, the last song, the last this, the last that, I remember my very first play. I was only eight years old. So I was a little kid. Like I was only two years older than Aurelio, two and a bit. And I remember the very last night of the show and it ran for, you know, a good like 30 performances or something. For a little kid, that's like a like a huge chunk of your life. And I remember being in the dressing room at the end of the show. The show was over. We had just finished. And one of the girls, you know, it was all a, a youth show. So like the oldest person in the cast was 20 or something. And one of the girls who seemed like a grown up, but who was probably like 14 or 15, 
she had some blouse that she had to wear in the show. So she goes, I never have to wear this thing again. And she was like thrilled that she didn't have to wear it again. Yeah. And I was like <gasps> clutching my costume to my heart. Like, <laughs> how could you even consider that? That's just torturous. <laughs> you know, yeah. so even then at eight years old, I was feeling like this. Yeah. So I guess under that theory, then that uh, it did not come from the theater. Well, it, I mean, it was an established part of your personality. It, I, it could be a bit of both. It's nature and nurture, <laughs> Katie. Well, the other thing I was just thinking when you were talking about that, not so much as an eight-year-old, but the other weird thing that's about doing a play, or I don't know what the other equivalents in life would be, is that let's say you have 20 performances. Over the course of those performances, you're trying to get better and better at your part. You're trying to do it like slightly better every night. And then it does come to this point where that pursuit of uh, perfection in that role is just over. <laughs> you know? You're like, well... I did what I could in 20 performances. So there's an interesting thing about that too, is just letting go of the practice of it. Yeah. The people, the practice, the rhythm of it. I always wondered how people do, who are in like long running Broadway shows. Yeah. Who do the same show every night for like two years or something. How do you keep that fresh? I have no idea. I don't remember the details, so I'll get this wrong, but Derek's father has a friend who played in the orchestra for Phantom of the Opera for something like a decade. Oh, jeez. I mean, incredible. Sometimes two performances a day. Oh, my Lord. I would lose it. My goodness. If anybody has ever done anything like that, I, I would love to know because... I have worked at a job for over a decade. But you do different things every day. But you do different things every day. So imagine if you work at a job for a decade where every single day you perform the exact same task. I'm sure it's different from day to day because of your relationships with people. But, but still. You still. So interesting. But yes, but going back to this nostalgia and specifically the nostalgia about Aurelio since Claudio was not sentimental about it, and you are, mm -hmm. you cried for the first time on this show. <laughs> <laughs> and we know we've been through a lot. How does Claudio treat that when you are feeling sentimental? Is he just sort of like, oh, buck up, kid? Yeah. You know, he, he's still a six, he's still going into first grade. He's not going into college. Or yeah. is he super uh, friendly and huggy and... What's his approach to your sentimentality? No. He's like, don't let it rub off on Aurelio. Feel your feelings, but like, don't let Aurelio think that there's something wrong with him ending school and starting a new school. Like, he shouldn't be sad about it. He should be happy. And, and I totally agree. And I don't want to, um, to influence him in that way. But he, it, he did pick up on it a little bit. And I think it was th that very morning... And I happened to uh, be looking at my phone while he was having breakfast and I saw something, I can't remember what it was. It was a meme or a, or a, an Instagram reel or something. It was something really sad, not sad, but like, you know, those things that make you cry. Mm -hmm. And I started tearing up and he's like, mom, are you upset because I'm growing up? <laughs> <laughs> or he's like, mom, don't cry because I'm growing up. <laughs> like actually this was not about you <laughs> this one time it was not about you uh but it, it was so funny because around the same time maybe a day or two before 
he just said something so sweet to me, like so adorable and wonderful. I can't remember what it was. And I said, oh, really, you promise me you'll never change. And I meant at that moment, I really meant his heart. Promise me you'll always be this sweet. But all he said was, promise me you'll never change. And he, he looks at me really serious. He's like, I mean, maybe if I stop eating, uh, I won't grow anymore. <laughs> like he was really concerned. Like he was like, how can I stop myself from growing? I don't know. How can I promise my mother this thing? It's impossible. She asks the impossible. <laughs> That's very funny. No, but I, I mean, I think he's pretty okay. As you heard, if you, if you listened to the mini episode last Thursday in which I interviewed Aurelio and his little friend Jacopo, uh, you will hear that they're, uh, they're pretty much fine with it and happy to be moving on. And, you know, if I say, are you sad? They'll be like, oh, yeah, a little, a little bit. But they probably would not have thought to say that if I hadn't suggested it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me personally, if I can go back and channel what was kindergarten Katie thinking. <laughs> I think I was just excited to move on. I was excited to get to the desks and the, you know, chalkboard and the, the new thing onto the next thing. Yes. I didn't particularly like kindergarten though, so. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, it's funny to say that. I didn't particularly like kindergarten. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but most of the memories I have of kindergarten are, um, they're just okay. Things get better once you start learning more. That's kind of how I mm. feel about it. I don't know. Do you remember much from kindergarten? Do you have a memory? I do. Let's share one memory from kindergarten and we'll see the contrast of how I remember kindergarten and how you remember kindergarten. Well, I remember meeting my best friend, Mary. She was my best friend all through elementary school. And we stayed close friends through high school. We're still in touch today, but we don't see each other anymore, really. We don't have occasion to. But we met on the playground in kindergarten, and I, I want to say it was the first day of school, but it's the same thing when I met you on the school bus in the sixth grade. I want to say it was the first day of school, but I have no idea. If it, it probably wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, but I remember meeting her on the slide, and just that was my first true friendship. It was just a wonderful thing, and she was the tallest girl at school, and I was the shortest girl in the school, and we were inseparable all through elementary school, and we adored each other. So Mary, if you're listening, I still love you. And yeah, so that's probably my best memory from kindergarten. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But one of my most vivid memories in kindergarten is, that, you know how in kindergarten, I don't know if they do this in Italy or not, but you have to have a nap time. Oh God, no. Did, yeah, no. Did they have a nap time here? Nope. So we had a nap time, which was basically just, you get a little square of carpet off of a pile and you lay it somewhere, mm -hmm. and you lay down on it, and you lay there until they tell you you can get back up again. <laughs> and, nope. Does anybody sleep? I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't sleep during nap time. I know that. Apparently, some kids did. But the thing in my school was that if you were really good during that nap period, you could be the wake up fairy, and they would <laughs> give you a wand, and you'd get to go around and tap everyone to wake them up. That sounds fun. And I wanted to be the wake up fairy so bad. And apparently, I could just not lay still enough no. to ever get to be the fairy. That's sad. They should have let you be the fairy at least one time. And if I did get to ever be it, I don't remember it. That's almost like I can picture in my head how wonderful it would be. So then I'm like, would that be because I got to do it? But in my memory, I don't. I never got to be the wake-up fairy. Oh, I'm sorry, Katie. Yeah. My mother did make me a wand. I think she made it. Mom, did you make this? 
She made me a wand that looked very much like the wake-up wand fairy with a puffy star on it with streamers coming off of it so that I could go around tapping people at home. <laughs> That's sweet. I don't know if she made that in direct relation to the wake-up wand failure of mine at school. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But so I do have the memory of being able to tap people with a wand at some point. So that's good. But I was not in school. Just a side note about that. I feel and I mean, I can't speak for other parents, but I feel like it's got to be universal, at least among mothers. I feel inordinately bad for my child if he has the slightest, quote unquote, deprivation. You know what I mean? I can see your mom being like, my poor child never got to be the wake up fairy. I'm going to give her this wand so she can have that experience. <laughs> and I feel like that with a really one. I'm like, okay, here's something so minor. At the end of the year, there's an event that they have and they, all of the kids who are going to be coming to that school the next year, all of the like, little three-year-olds or almost three-year-olds who are going to start that school the next year, they come with their parents for like the afternoon they get to know the school and they get to know the teachers and at the beginning of the day one of the kids who's leaving they match them up each kid who's leaving is matched up with the kid who's coming and they take the kid by the hand and they show them around and they sit with them the whole time and they do activities together and it's like the sweetest thing and I mean Aurelio did it I didn't actually end up being able to go because I had to work, but Claudio was there and he took pictures and I saw this five or six-year-old boy being so sweet with Aurelio and taking him around and showing him things. And of course, with COVID, they can't do that anymore right now. My heart just broke. I was like, Aurelio would have been so good at that. <laughs> he would have loved to show that kid He would have loved to do that because like, he, he loves the idea of being an older brother, mm. which he is not. And he always was like, Little sister, let me show you how to do this. And he, and he pretends that I'm his little sister. Oh. He loves doing that, like teaching and showing and stuff. I feel so bad for him that he didn't get to do this. And I'm like, Tiffany, get over it. There are so many worse things in the world. Yeah, he doesn't even know probably that he, he doesn't even done know. Yeah. He doesn't even know. But there's something about motherhood, I think, that you just feel this guilt towards your children for any like slightest little lack in their life I mean maybe it's just me I mean it's definitely a first world problem mm -hmm. but uh when you told me about that wand that made, <laughs> made me think of that in your head you're already making Aurelio a wand and he didn't even have that experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well just to end since you're very nostalgic in this moment hypothetically Let's say that this were the last episode of The Bittersweet Life. No. How do you feel like you would be feeling? Would you be feeling like, oh, this is the last time Katie's going to say, and until next time, yeah. this is The Bittersweet Life. Would you be going through all the steps or would you be thinking, wow, this has been like seven years of this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I'm good. We did a good job. It was a ton of work. It never financially penciled out, but we had a good time getting to know each other better. See you later. Um, I mean, probably a little bit of both, but I would definitely be leaning towards nostalgia, especially in the moment. Yes. For sure. For sure. Well, I'll be sure to try to remember to insert some applause at the end, whenever that episode comes at the end, so we can have a, <laughs> <laughs> a sort of curtain call of some kind. I just don't feel like that day is ever going to come. I know it must. Well, we'll have to decide that it's going to come. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not up to like, the theater that's giving us four weeks on the stage mm -hmm. it's uh it's up to us yeah and our listeners 
So if you want to keep this show going, that's a perfect segue. <laughs> you want to make sure that day never comes. <laughs> you can support us on Patreon. Yes, yes. You can support the show. Um, if you own a business and you want to sponsor the show, that's a great way to do it. If you uh, are an individual and you just want to throw down a one-time donation to help us pay the bills, that works. Or you can jump on Patreon and support the show that way and then you get bonus content as well all of that helps us keep this show alive for another week and it pays the bills and occasionally we get paid too if we have paid everything off i will send tiffany a little bonus that's always nice so yes if you love this show there are links to support us in the show notes you can also visit the bittersweetlife.net and one last thing it just reminded me of was i think maybe i've told you this before but i remember Long before I ever left working at the public radio station I worked at every day, I was the producer of a two-hour daily morning program, and often that meant that I was directing the show live, and I was sitting in the control booth with the engineer, and the host was in the other room talking to whatever guests, and the engineer was also a sentimental guy, and he said, do you ever think while we're standing here, he's like, sometimes I imagine myself as a very old man. And I remember back to that time when Katie and I used to sit in the same studio together every morning and do this show. I feel like sometimes I'm projecting that happening while I'm standing here still doing the show with you. <laughs> and I said, I am like that. I am like that. I do acknowledge that someday Bernard, who's his name, Bernard, you and I will not be spending every morning together. And uh, sure enough, we no longer spend every morning together. But I always loved that he just brought that up one day on an average morning. But see, that's like anticipated nostalgia. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. I, I See, I, I'm not good with that. I am guilty of it. But I don't think that it's a good thing. Not to dwell on anyway. If you think about it once or twice, okay. But I tend to dwell on that a lot. And I think that's a problem. I think if you think about it too much, it's a problem. Because, I mean... The idea is you want to live in the moment. You think, okay, it's a good thing that I'm, that I'm noting this moment, that I'm marking it, that I'm enjoying this moment. But if you're constantly thinking about it in terms of when it will end, you're not really living in the moment. And it's like you're living in some future time. When you remember that moment. Yeah, it's like reverse nostalgia. I don't know, I can't even describe it, but... I mean, some people have nostalgia for things that have never happened, which is a whole other type of nostalgia we could get into. But this is nostalgia for something that you're living. Like you have no right to be nostalgic about it. It's happening right now. I feel like I've been going through that since Aurelia was born. I've been constantly looking at him and being like, you're not going to be a baby forever. I was thinking that when he was like six months old. Like what's my, you know? <laughs> and, and every year, every year when he's another year older, I'm like, Wow, I really thought that this was going to be the year that he was no longer like a cute, adorable little thing. And he's just as cute and adorable and little as ever. Why was I so afraid of him turning two or turning three or turning four? I'm like, he's still wonderful. And next year when he's six, he's still going to be wonderful. Just because I can't carry him in one arm anymore yeah. and, you know, or put him on my back anymore. I certainly don't love him any less. And so, I mean, I try to avoid that type of thinking, although I'm, I definitely am guilty of it. Yeah. Well, we should leave it there. Yeah. We should leave it there. Well, thank you um, for sharing that those pieces of tape and <laughs> for sharing 
your thoughts on this momentous change and my tears and your tears (laughs) and until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks join us again bye Katie here. Before you go, I want to remind you that we would love to do a show about your unrealized dream fulfilled. What experience did you live that was amazing but unexpected? Or maybe you didn't know you would love something, but you did once you tried it. Record your story in a voice memo and send it to us at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Like my boat trip to Alaska which was like a dream come true that I hadn't even asked for. Bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Don't be shy. We want to hear your story. Talk to you next week. 